Please join me in today's uh, reading, Psalm 72, uh, which you can find uh, in your church Bibles, page 586. Psalm 72, page 586 of Solomon. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. May he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon through all generations. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days, may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Seba present him with gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold from Sheba be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. May corn abound throughout the land. On the tops of the hills may it sway. May the crops flourish like Lebanon and thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him. They will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This is God's word. Thanks, Adrian. Morning, everyone. If we've not met, my name's Matt Fuller. I'm the vicar here. And uh, I'm just going to lead us uh, for a few minutes looking at this uh, psalm, Psalm 72. What do we want uh, from a king? I'll explain why we're looking at that. No great predictions uh, of when we get Elizabeth III, um, who will be the greatest of kings, as we heard, kings, uh, monarchs. Uh, but um, we'll look at this together. Let me pray. Let me pray. Our great God and Father, here is a, a little word from the Bible of celebration. It is good to live under a good monarch. Father, help us understand more of what this might mean for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, public opinion is fickle, it's fickle in all things, but um, a year ago, 39% thought that Charles would be a good monarch, uh, and this week it stands at about 62%. Um, that's a good swing. If you were Rishi Sunak, you'd be very happy um, with that sort of swing in the opinion polls uh, in a year. 
although I never, I, honestly, I never really understand the opinion polls about the monarchy. It's kind of, the point is, you don't vote. Um, <laughs> that's kind of, it's thing. You don't get to choose. But um, uh, anyway, most Brits want a king or a monarch. Most Brits want, want a monarch still. Now, if you ask, like some there, if you ask, what do you want from your monarch? What do you want from King Charles? Well, in a week like this, people might have slightly grander responses. But if you'd asked a month ago, or if you ask in six months' time, what do you want from the king? I mean, what really, what sort of responses are you going to get? Um, don't be odd. Uh, stay out of the tabloids. Uh, don't be stupid. Um, don't say anything awkward when you're overseas. I mean, the bar is quite low, I think. <laughs> I don't want to be unkind, but because he's a constitutional monarch. I mean, if you watch, most of us would have watched some of the service yesterday, the, the oath near the beginning is quite a striking thing that he swore. I mean, it's quite a job description. I mean, here's just a, a, one bit from the middle of it. Um, will you solemnly swear and promise and swear to govern the peoples of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, your other realms and the territories, to any of them belonging or pertaining according to their respective laws and customs? I solemnly promise so to do. This is a big one, isn't it? Will you to your power cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? I will. Now, that is a solemn thing. But in reality, what judgments is Charles making? Is it scrambled or boiled eggs this morning? He's not making the great decisions that affect the nation. He's a constitutional monarch. But these extraordinary oaths that are sworn yesterday because of our history in this country, because of tradition, because of, I guess, adding legitimacy to the uh, institution. But of course, much of it, and e even the press sort of recognizes some of this, much of this sort of history and tradition, it, it, it's brought in, yeah, yeah, the coronation oath from, whatever, a thousand years ago, 973, is that right? People are saying that's the first time you get a recognizable service like yesterday. But when you have... What, what they kept calling the most solemn moment, I don't really understand, but the most solemn moment, the, the, the anointing with oil and uh, the magnificent strains of, of Zadok the priest, which I will avoid singing for you. Uh, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed Solomon king. Why, why, why that? I mean, it's a banger of a tune, but why, what's going on there? Why did Handel write that for, what was it, George II? Because it's this sort of appealing to, well, the biblical history of roughly 1,000 B.C. When, yes, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed Solomon king. And there's that sense that we're reaching back into distant history to say that's, that's still the sort of thing that's going on today. And yet when Solomon was crowned king, 1000 BC, roughly something like that, they weren't singing. Zadok the priest would have been a bit presumptuous, wouldn't he? If he wandered up and said, here I am, and I'm Zadok, and I'm... And um, that would have... Um, and also, I do, it's a bit, this is apropos nothing, but you know, Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet, 
Crowd Solomon King. I mean, Solomon just gives the bit part in the tune, isn't he? But um, they weren't singing that. They were singing Psalm 72, which is why we had it read today. Psalm 72 would have been the, the coronation hymn when Solomon was crowned king thousands of years ago, king over the nation of Israel. And it gives his job description, a bit like the oath yesterday at the beginning of the service gave Charles's job description, slightly, slightly grandiose terms. But this is the job description of uh, the king in the, the Bible, in the Old Testament, King Solomon. And I'm going to summarize it. I've scribbled it down on the sheet. Um, he'll rule justly. He'll rule globally. And his people will praise him every day. See what you make of that. He'll rule justly. Sounds good. He'll rule globally. You might feel a bit awkward about anyone ruling globally. And his people will praise him every day. But even as we work our way through it, though this was a, a coronation song written, we don't know the tune, maybe Lloyd Webber got the tune right, I don't know, but um, uh, a coronation song, no one, no king in the Old Testament lived up to this standard, it's a very high standard, Psalm 72, there's no king in history who's lived up to this standard, but even that back then, they knew they were looking forward to a descendant of Solomon, <laughs> his great, 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 great descendant, Jesus Christ. So in the end, Psalm 72 is a description of the work of Jesus Christ. They were always waiting for him to fulfill it, like much of the Old Testament promises. But anyway, so it's a coronation song, and we're going to look at it briefly this morning. He'll rule justly, he'll rule globally, his people will praise him. Let's work through it. First seven verses, the stress comes on justice. He'll rule justly. Much emphasis yesterday, that solemn oath that Charles swore to bring justice as best he's able. But that's obviously the, uh, the emphasis here. Uh, verse 1. Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones, with justice. Justice, justice. Particularly this emphasis for the afflicted ones, verse 2. Or little verse 4, may he defend the afflicted among the people. And the way you do that is, verse 4, oppressors have to be stopped or crushed. Now, we all want that. We all want to live in a society where there is justice, not just for the mighty, but particularly justice for the needy, for the oppressed, where those who cause injustice, the oppressors, are removed, crushed. We, want, we all want that, but it's hard, isn't it? <laughs> Most societies struggle to get perfect justice. Of course they do. Obviously in the UK we have a ministry of justice, led until two weeks ago by, oops, Dominic Raab, who, of course, the accusations, and he had to resign because his behaviour was not fair, bullying. But then others would say, well, he's treated completely unfairly. He was quite a competent minister and just, you know, was trying to raise the levels of competence. So the fact that he was kicked out is unjust. I don't know, make no comment. But it's hard to get it right. We struggle to know how to balance justice, don't we? What, what do you do when you have uh, competing rights? Competing rights, I don't know, of biological 
women, transgender women, and, and how do you balance the rights there and the, oh, it's, it's awkward to bring justice. But this king of Psalm 72, we're told, brings justice. He gets it right every single time. So much so that that's why you get this poetic language. Verse 3, now the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May his reign be like showers, verse 6, watering the earth. These sort of pictures of a paradise, an Eden. It's so good living under his rule. It's perfect. That's the point, poetically expressed. Now, whatever you think of Charles, and I mean, strike is it, one woman would say he's the best king ever. I mean, wow. Um, uh, after a few months, that's, that's quite an accolade. But no one expects a radical new enhanced level of justice in the UK under his reign. He just doesn't have that power to do it. It's not his fault, but no one's expecting that. He's done lots of good, worthy of respect in lots of ways, I guess. So founded 18 charities, now at work in 38 countries. They raise 150 million each year. The Prince's Trust grants have launched the careers of Idris Elba, Stereophonics, the band's Elbow, Muse, Naughty Boy. You may or may not be grateful for any of their work. <laughs> but funded by the Prince's Trust. Now that's good. That helps society. That's Charles having found a purpose and made a difference in the Prince's Trust. But it's not universal justice. And we don't really expect that, do we? So last week, uh, uh, again, one of those sort of uh, rapid, unannounced trips, uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine visited The Hague, the International Criminal Court, which have uh, uh, issued a warrant, of course, for the arrest of Vladimir Putin for war crimes. But that won't happen. I mean, it's all very well and good issuing a warrant for his arrest. That's not going to happen, is it? No chance of justice there. And uh, similarly, uh, for the, uh, the two warring generals in Sudan at the moment, uh, you know, the, the, the capital cartoon gets broken and people, civilians are killed in the crossfire between two essential warlords trying to grab control over the gold mines and resources of Sudan. Bring them to justice? No chance. It's not going to happen, is it? And it's quite easy for us to get a little cynical about poetic pictures of always there being justice. But that is the promise here, that when Jesus returns, here is a world, he will remake the world, and all wrongs are righted, all crimes corrected. There is justice. And we do want that. That's what we want from, and that's what we get from this king. So he'll rule justly. We all want that. What about this second thing, uh, verses 8 to 14? He'll rule globally. Uh, that might make us a bit more nervous. Verse 8. May he rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May the desert tribes bow before him and his enemies lick the dust. And we think, oh, I don't know about that. Um, uh, a bit imperialist. Um, maybe we feel a bit nervous about that language. Well, we don't need to worry too much about Charles. Uh, of course rules over the UK and 14 other countries, which is a little bit odd, and um, 
If you ever visit Australia, a very easy way to get a rise. Oh, yeah, I'll go to church very near your king. So, you know, you'll get a little um, increasingly if you ever did that. It's a little odd, and perhaps during his reign, one or two other countries will set themselves off as uh, republics, maybe. Although, do you know the Commonwealth is growing? Countries are joining the Commonwealth. So, in one sense, his influence grows. I don't, you know, um, unusual. But this king is ruling everything in Psalm 72. You don't need to know the places, but the repetition of increasingly distant places from where he would have been crowned in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and this repetition of kings, verse 10, kings of Tarshish and distant places, kings of Sheba and Seba. By the time you get to verse 11, may all, everyone, may all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. Here's a king that rules over the whole globe. And of course, there's never been anyone in history who's done that. And in the 21st century, we probably feel a little bit awkward about that, just as an ambition or or a claim. We, We just don't want it. Until you read why everyone bows down and why everyone serves this king. And that's unusual, verse 12. Why is everyone bowing down and worshipping him? Verse 12. For because he'll deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He'll take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He'll rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. Why does everyone serve this king, bow down to this king? Because he's good, (laughs) because he delivers, he takes pity, he saves. It's similar thought to verse 4, we've had it already. But beyond that here, I think, this is a picture. The whole world serves this king, not because he's dominated them, not because he's conquered them, not because he's subjugated them, but because they look at what he's done and say, that is wonderful. We choose to follow you. Again, it's a description of, the rule, description of the rule of Jesus. You just need to read one of the accounts of his life, one of the four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four biographies of his life. And if you've never done so as an adult, please, please take one and do so. And you're struck here. I mean, I, I'd never done so as a child. It was only as an adult I read Luke's gospel, Luke's account of the life of Jesus. And you read it and think, oh, okay, so here's this... Was extraordinary character, clearly charismatic, clearly thousands following him, clearly the, the rulers of the day threatened by him. What's he going to do? Clearly he's the biggest show in town. And he just gives of himself. He's always got time. He takes pity on, I don't know, chapter 7 of Luke's account, a, a widow who's just lost her son and takes time and we're told his heart goes to her, he finds it gut-wrenching. He cares for the needy. He cares and shows pity and he rescues. Striking on that little video, what, what do people want to see in the king? I mean, it's a funny old list, really. Competence, yes, of course, you know, good leader. Yeah, that's what's being asked. Um, but mostly uh, care, empathy, 
uh, of the people, for, for the people. I don't suppose we're too surprised by that. Having empathy and understanding, we're told. And here in Psalm 72, why is his rule universal? Because he delivers, he takes pity, he saves, he cares for the people. Although it is a little worth clarifying, verses 12, he'll deliver the needy. He'll take pity on the needy. He'll save the needy from death. There's something here to benefit from the rule of Jesus, to benefit from the kingdom that he is bringing in. You have to recognize a need of some kind. Now, to be honest, um, for it's worth, I am a monarchist. I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, history and the tradition, I think it binds the culture together in some sense. But we don't need King Charles. You know, if he disappeared tomorrow, there is an heir. And you may be aware from a recent book, there's a spare. Um, <laughs> there's, what, one, two, three, four before we get to Harry. So it's, you know, and seven before we get to Andrew, if that's your concern. But, you know, there's... Um, <laughs> We don't need Charles. There's a whole, you know, there is a line of succession which matters very much in case of, you know, we don't need him. And he's reigned maybe 20 years, maybe longer, but you know, he'll go and then there'll be a, a successor. We don't need him, but we do need Jesus. We need him to deliver, to take pity, to save. We need him. We may not feel that, but it is true. Let me put it in these terms. If, if, you're, if you're stuck in a burning building, we had a fireman earlier, you, you need a rescuer. Amidst all the coronation stuff, you've probably missed this in the news this week. Grenfell was in the news this week. They've agreed a compensation package. I don't know how you come up with a sum of money for, for, the, for the tragic loss. I don't understand. But anyway, they've agreed a compensation package, and, and so there was discussion about that in, in the press. But one little sort of tangential story that I hadn't come across before that emerged was of Debbie Lamprell. Debbie Lamprell, and I hadn't heard of her, but um, she was a, a, technically a fire officer in, uh, in the Grenfell Tower, and I hadn't heard this story until the week, this week, uh, helped a number of others escape, but in doing so, went back into the building one time too many and died herself. And uh, so a number of her friends established this in loving memory or memory of our friend, Debbie Lamperell, 71 to 2017, who, who loved this place. And of course, they remember and commemorate uh, People needed her help to get them out of a fire, and she helped and tragically lost her life in doing so. Well, even though those stories are very wonderful, we're conceptually fam familiar with them. The rescuer dies in order to help someone in great need. The parent dies helping their child who's stuck in the sea in a rift and... That is, they're all just little pictures. You and I need help from Jesus. You and I need saving, not from a fire, from, well, the Bible describes it, our selfishness, our self-absorption, our sin, which means we can never go to God's heaven. We're cut off. We're just too unpleasant. I'm sorry to say it. 
We're kicked out. We need Jesus to come and wipe away everything we've done wrong, pay for everything we've done wrong, trust in him, and heaven is open. We need him to die for us, to pay for us, so we can go to heaven. We need him. Whether we feel it or not, it's true. Charles, the... um, it's extraordinary, is it? I don't know if you thought, many of you would have thought this yesterday, but Charles, of course, born to be king, had to wait a long time, you know, 74 years to be king. I don't know what age you become cognizant. Uh, age four, was it, when his mum mom, um, uh, was uh, coronated? I love that. Uh, when his mum's uh, coronation. It's a long time to wait. You read when he was about 30 years old. Some, I read this in the paper this week. He addressed the Cambridge Union and said, I, I have no purpose in life. I'm just waiting. Fortunately, he did. I think he did find a good purpose while he was waiting. But it's very strange, isn't it? If you're Prince George yesterday, do you not think that, that, that kid looking on thinking, so this is me one day? That's weird. You're born for that. You're born for, I mean... A lot of bling, a lot of swords, a lot of scepters. You're born for, I mean, how, I don't know how as a, whatever it is, eight, nine-year-old, you get your head around that. Jesus, Jesus was born to die and he knew it. He knew it from a very young age. If you read again Luke's account of the life of Jesus, from a kid, he knew, oh, the reason I've come is to die. That's weird. I've, come and I don't have to wait 70 years it'll be just after I'm 30 years old I'll die in the place of humans for their selfishness self-absorption sin so they can go to heaven that's a very strange destiny but that is why people worship him that is why people verse 11 bow down and before him and serve him Charles yesterday was given the orb this gold thing with a cross set on top the point being Jesus rules the world but he does so as one who died for the world so he'll rule justly he'll rule globally we may not like it but when we understand why he rules because he's died for needy you and me oh that makes a difference and lastly very briefly his people will praise him every day Verse 15, his people will praise him every day. Of course, there's the embarrassment this week. You know, the, oh, right, you know, let's, let's make it a very modern service. And rather than all the, the lords and the peers of the realm swearing their homage, we'll ask the whole nation to swear their homage. That'll modernize the monarchy. And uh, did you see that? So this was what, what it was meant to be in the order of service, but then they scrapped it. Um, uh, I call upon persons of goodwill in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, all the other realms and territories to make their homage in heart and voice to their undoubted king, defender of all. And, but they scrapped it because everyone's like, what? It's the 21st century. We don't do homage. Um, so it became yesterday to offer support. Um, you know, basically, it toned it down quite a bit. We call upon everyone in the UK to go... Um, uh, keep, well done, Charles. Keep going. Um, and we can do that. That's about it. Because... I think most people, I mean, there's a few people, he's not my king, I know, protesting yesterday. But most people wish him well. Most people think, okay, you're a flawed individual, but golly, what a responsibility you have. Even if it's a constitutional monarchy, 
Who would want his job? Seriously. So most people wish him well, but homage, no. The people in Psalm 72 to their king, yes. Verse 15, long may he live. May gold from Sheba, that's like your best gold possible, uh, be given to him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. And in fact, having this king is so good, it's going to look a bit like this. Verse 16, even the most unlikely places, like the mountaintops, are going to have loads of corn. You don't get corn on the top of a mountain, um, not growing, crops flourishing there. And verse 17, the people say, may his name endure forever, may it continue as long as the sun, and all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Because the people recognize, here is a king who is good for us. Here is a king who will die for us. Here is a king, when you're living under his reign, it's brilliant. We want him. We're so thrilled to have him. Now, most people are grateful for the reign of Elizabeth. It's a long, it was a long life of service. But she didn't elicit this sort of level of praise because none of us benefited materially from her in respect, but she didn't die to save us. She didn't bless us with a wonderful, wonderful place. But Jesus is the king who died to rescue his people from death. And he says, you trust me, you can be in my paradise forever. And his people say, yeah, we see. We see living under your rule is so good. We see that having you as king means that we're enormously blessed. So yeah, we'll sing. We'll sing. We'll praise you. So look, I don't know what you expect from the Carolean age. Did any of us understand the derivation of that? Anyway, but the Carolean age of King Charles, uh, we wish him well, most of us, I think, and uh, hope that he sort of just he keeps tweaking the monarchy to adjust it so it's sensible and viable uh, going forward. Probably most, I know, not all, but most will think that. But in the end, 20 years, whatever it, I mean, I imagine most people in this room, most would hope to see another coronation just because you want to live that long. It won't affect us dramatically, will it? The question that does matter is, what do you and I make of the reign of Jesus? Will or, let me sharpen it, will you or and I be blessed by the reign of Jesus? That's the question. And as verses 12 to 14 put it again, only those who recognize their need can be blessed by King Jesus Proud oppressors are excluded from benefiting from him. Verse 12, it's the needy he delivers. Verse 13, it's the needy he takes pity on. Verse 13, it's the needy he saves. So the question for all of us is, do you, do you recognize your need? That you need him to rescue you in order to go to his paradise, heaven? Many of us do, of course. And for those of us who are Christians, who know Jesus as our King, Psalm 72 is here, and it's just a reminder. Do you remember, can I just tell you again how good it is to have Jesus as your King? 
even now, while we're awaiting the full consummation of his reign, to live under his rules, it's a good thing. It's a blessing. To know what he's done for you, that is a wonderful thing. So Psalm 72 gives us language. We, we say with verse 17, may his name endure forever, may it continue as long as the sun, and all nations are blessed through him, and they'll call him blessed. Our future is absolutely wonderful if you're a follower of Jesus because it's intertwined with him and his reign is forever and we get to be with him forever. So, bless him. Praise him. Take Psalm 72. If you've got any musical ounce, put it to a tune and sing it. It's a better coronation hymn even than Zadok the priest because it's about Jesus and what he's done for you and me. Let's pray together. Our Father, we say with the psalmist here, praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. We praise you that it is possible even now to live under the reign of King Jesus, to know him as one who has saved us, delivered us, who's taken pity on us. And to know that in the future we'll live in his perfect world of justice. Father, help us to recognize our need if we don't clearly see that. Father, for many of us who know that and call Jesus our king, would we rejoice in how good that is? We ask in his name. Amen.